Mountain Wellness, optimizing human performance to extend longevity for mountain athletes. What up, mountain athletes and outdoor adventurers? Welcome to another episode of the Mountain Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Reed, and I'm joined, as always, with my mountain brother, Mr. Mike Mahina. What's going on, bro? Oh, yeah. California to Montana, man. Old man winter is coming. That's right. Let's ride. Winter is uh, showed up in Montana. I think it's a, a brisk... 42 degrees outside, something like that. We had some snowfall the last couple days. Nothing stuck, but it was, uh, it's so interesting how Montana, it, it, the, the seasons turned so quick. Last week we were in shorts and, and this week it's, you know, pulling out all the winter clothes. <laughs> I can't, I can't <laughs> wait to be there. I haven't been there in winter yet. So I'm looking forward to, uh, seeing you in November for winter. So that's going to be awesome. That's right. Got it on the calendar. Mike's flying out a couple weeks. Uh, gonna fly out to the den. We're gonna finish the breathwork training course. Pretty stoked about that. Oh man, I'm last. Uh, yeah. So just to, to fill you guys in, last time Mike came out, which was in uh, when was that? What month? <sighs> Can't even remember. I got so much going on. A few months back. July. Or no, I can't. Gosh, whatever. It was a couple of months back, but uh, so Mike flew out here. Uh, we basically locked ourselves up at the recovery den and, and developed the the methodology for our our breathwork training course and um, re- really dialed that in. and And I know we're very happy with what we put together. So now it's a uh, it's a matter of knocking out the 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 blocks, the training blocks, the, the filming, and, uh, we're ready to bring it to you guys. Um, so I'm stoked. I can't wait to get it done because just what we got to, to do at the den last time and putting the methodology together, testing and what we've you know put together out on the field, it's going to be outstanding. Yeah. And we've got some really great guests coming up too. Emily Hightower is going to, we're recording her on Monday and she is, uh, an expert in the space on breath and, sleep and the things that we love to talk about really well uh, rounded yeah i'm excited for emily i know she's been working with brian mckenzie and with uh art of breath and shift and uh yeah so good stuff all around uh might as well just jump into some announcements right now so i don't forget at the end uh for all you local peeps uh october uh, 30th, we have a fall costume party here at the Den. So if you're in town, before you take the kiddos out, especially, uh, cruise over to the Den. And I think it starts at 7. Yeah, 7, a couple hours, good people, good times. So if you're around, please come. It'll be good. And then uh, yoga. I haven't made any yoga announcements recently. Uh, same schedule as before. Still classes three times a week. Monday evening, 5.30. Wednesday, 6 a.m. And Thursday, 5.30. And Mel also does one-on-one sessions. So um, check it out. Awesome. Anyways. Uh, I wish I, I was going to make that costume party, man. That's uh, right up my... Uh... 
Allie, I love ha- I love Halloween time. It's just a fun time. I'm still working on uh, my. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I gotta I gotta come up with a good costume. Stallone, man, it's easy. <laughs> did, you say, did you say Stallone? Yeah, Rocky. Plus, you got all the voices. You have all the voices of all those guys down, man. So you could totally. I feel do like it. I gotta I gotta pick something with the with the, now I'm rocking longer hair though. So I gotta I gotta align with something to play that on. Dude, I had an eight uh, an '80s black long wig that I would wear. That was it was fun, man. People didn't recognize me. They didn't even recognize me. They was like they didn't know who I was. It's pretty funny. That's so good. Oh man, yeah, it'll be a good time. We'll make sure to get some pictures up because you know there's we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna definitely not not disappoint. All right. <laughs> So, uh, we're going to continue off of last week's episode. Um, I think that was, uh, it was such a great intro to understanding the role of insulin, blood sugar, developing metabolic flexibility, uh, and especially as it pertains to blood sugar, carbohydrates. And so we want to continue and build off of that and talk about, uh, the role of fasting um, as it pertains to increasing metabolic flexibility. So, uh, yeah. You got anything on that, Mike? Yeah, no, anything I'm just you excited. touch on from last week? You know, it, yeah, it was just learning about the timing of eating that I, I didn't understand the timing of how you were expl- that You cleared up the timing and the, the role of insulin and how, it, how it's uh, basically... It's a transport system, if I remember correctly. It goes, it transports yep. the the uh, the sugar, and if everything's topped off, it's like I don't know where to put this, so I'm gonna turn it into fat. And I was like, okay, so you gave me broke it down in a very simple way for me to understand. And then, of course, you know, we talked about uh, the intermittent fasting as a, as a dovetail because it seems to fit perfectly yep. within that. Uh, system and this is what's awesome about it is it's preparing us for winter man because when we go into winter this is when i want to hibernate and i want to eat and i want you know i want to overeat and i want to just sit on the couch and watch the vex because it's darker earlier and all that so <laughs> it's we can it's a good time right now to uh prepare ourselves you know to survive yeah. old man no, winter i agree um all right so we talked about uh basically the the role of um how insulin plays in with blood sugar insulin has a lot of a lot of roles in the body but in particular blood sugar and how it is responsible f- uh for reuptake of glycogen into muscle stores or glycogen stores in the muscle liver etc um we talked about how carbohydrates in particular is uh one of the key factors of insulin being signaled. So comparing to the other macronutrients, fat, protein, uh, carbohydrates is the one, or carbs are the ones that uh, uh, signal insulin. Uh, Mm. We learned that if we're not active and uh, physically active, or what we're going to talk about today, restricting carbohydrates and, and, and fasting from carbohydrates, uh, we never deplete our glycogen stores in the muscle or our liver. And there's a lot of uh, amazing uh, benefits, uh, therapeutic benefits of, of that, the pro- that process. Um, 
So let's just uh, dig in right there. Talk, start talking about uh, intermittent fasting or fasting as it pertains to carbohydrates. So um, if you're not physically active and you're not ever, or you're not restricting carbohydrates, fasting carbohydrates, you're never going to, uh, you're not effectively going to burn the glycogen stores in your muscle or your liver or the circulating uh, blood sugar in, in, in the bloodstream. So if we were to just to remove the, the, uh, the most effective way, let's say to deplete muscle glycogen, and that would be physical exercise, um, we could utilize fasting and that's just a restriction of carbohydrates altogether. And there's a lot of, there's honestly a lot of ways, um, that you can do that, or there's a, a, a few different approaches is a better way to put it. Um, when we hear fasting, I think a lot of people, Mike, you probably would agree with me. Like they think of just not eating food altogether. They just, you know, straight up fasting and. Well, you and, think of starving. Home. Yeah. I'm going to starve. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, but there's an easier way to approach it. And I think that's the, the best way to, to uh, the best way to start uh, to understand this is, okay, so. We know carbohydrates, uh, we want to keep carbohydrate intake to a minimum on a daily. Uh, ideally, once a day, that's been really effective for, for Mike and I, or at least keep, keeping them to minimal through, throughout the day and keeping the, the big load of your carbohydrates in the evening. That increases your insulin sensitivity, you're going to deplete muscle glycogen, liver glycogen throughout the day. Um, now... By doing that, by basically restricting carbohydrates, that's the process that takes place. So, not even being by not even being physically active uh, or exercising, I should say, you're you're already depleting glycogen uh, just by restricting carbohydrates. So, what does that look like? Just basically get up in the morning. You could be a coffee drinker. Uh, most of you probably are coffee drinkers, even if you're not. Um, whether it's tea or you don't do anything, uh, some people start with energy drinks. Uh, take a look at the sugar content, the carbohydrate content in those, in all those drinks, whether it's an energy drink, what are you putting in your coffee? Is it some type of creamer with sugar in it, sweetener? That's um, the big one. That the, the, the coffee with the, uh, that, <laughs> that creamer is, is usually the yeah. high. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, and that's like a lot of people don't think of carbohydrates necessarily in liquid form or, you know, uh, in their coffee sweetener. They might think of, okay, there's sugar in this, but they might not think, okay, this is carbohydrates. So right there, that's you, 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 if we identify that, if we are ingesting carbohydrates with our morning cup of coffee, tea, or energy drink, that's the first thing you want to tackle and get rid of mm -hmm. and by doing that you can still like even going into breakfast like let's let's talk about breakfast now a lot of a lot of people do oatmeal a lot of people will do eggs and bacon with toast mm -hmm. um i would you know i would get rid of the oatmeal so that's a heavy that's actually a um a carbohydrate that is 
more complex, so it's going to take longer to digest. So you're going to get this slow, steady stream of carbohydrates or glycogen into the bloodstream, which mm. is going to keep your blood sugar levels kind of elevated for a, a longer period of time. And we'll get into that later as far as um, probably uh, um, in the next episode when we talk about the actual food and nutrition because there's different types of carbohydrates. But um, but basically, if we were looking at breakfast, you know, uh, oatmeal or let's say eggs, bacon, and toast, like the best option would be get rid of the oatmeal altogether and say you're an eggs and bacon toast kind of person. Well, just get rid of the toast and, and opt for the eggs and bacon. So you're, you're identifying each meal, uh, identify the carbohydrates. Um, is there yeah. carbohydrates in that meal? And and I think I just add um, just so that for a reference, I my way around the coffee creamer because I was a coffee creamer guy. It was hazelnut or it was vanilla, and then I realized yeah. when, you, when you told me it's not even the sweeteners. Like, take a look what what else is in there. And it's like you know, so it's a man made concoction of who knows what. But I switched to uh, the Laird Hamilton creamer, um, which is a plant based creamer. Uh, with obviously low, I don't even think it has maybe one gram or two grams of sugar at the most. If if it if it has any, I think the original doesn't, but it's it's really on the low side. And then it's uh, and then you could do alternative. I do stevia or the alternative plant based um, sweeteners that won't cause a spike. That's what I did to get away from the that stuff. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great option. I haven't tried Laird's uh, creamer, but I've heard good things about it. The other one I was gonna suggest since we're you know, given examples of uh, uh, morning breakfast or, or morning beverages, uh, the fat fuel, that's a really good option because I was going to talk about Bulletproof Coffee or, or butter coffee. Sure. I think if you are a coffee drinker, that is the most effective way um, to really enhance uh, the your nutritional ketosis or your, your ketotic state or deep in ketosis. Um, and we're going to get into that later in the episode, but uh, that gets a little, you know, you got to dial that recipe in. It's like, yeah, I've got it down now. It's the, you know, one tablespoon of grass fed butter. And then I use the brain octane from Bulletproof, which is an MCT oil, um, but in high speed blended. But if you don't have that down, it can turn into sort of this like, uh, <laughs> oil slick on top, especially if you don't blend it, but a great, uh, alternative, or at least to, to test it out, introducing a, a fatty coffee is uh, our friends over at Fat Fuel, um, which is, uh, I don't even like to call it instant coffee because that stuff is really good. Yeah, it's got but, some great stuff in there. And they've got hot, they've even got hot chocolate that's that's uh, keto-friendly, yeah. basically. And the other one, the only last thing I would add is that I, I, the only reason I think that this is an important one to talk about with, let's just say coffee, because most of us drink it, is that every single day, it almost for 360 days every year we're drinking that syrup from that concoction we just don't know what yep. it is and we know it's not great for us i mean just think about the the time amount if you're going to drink gallons of that stuff yeah no it's uh, absolutely so we want to start weeding those things out yeah um, slowly but surely it's you know sometimes it's hard to uh, to do it all at once and we don't want to do that it's just being aware of it uh that's right. the first that's the first step so awesome. yeah 
coffee drinkers, you know, opting for uh, a fatty coffee, whether that's a butter um, or even a heavy cream. But we want to we want to stay away from any type of uh, liquid form of carbohydrate because that's going to spike insulin uh, or spike blood sugar and insulin is going to rise. And, and now guess what? The whole, the rest of the day, you're going to be riding sort of this, this roller coaster um, of blood sugar going up and down and insulin being secreted. And, and if that's Ah, a, a, right. That, you know, and, there's also some hormones that are at play there when we, we suppress or we, we restrict carbohydrates that have to do with, you know, feeling basically satiated or, or not hungry. So that feeling when we our our stomach growls, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're hungry. It's kind of just a, a signal that's happening when, uh, blood sugar gets to a certain point. Uh, and especially if we're, uh, very carbohydrate dependent, and we're not doing any type of fasting or intermittent fasting or carbohydrate restriction, uh, that, that impulse or that, that feeling, that desire to eat is even stronger. And, and that is a hormonal, uh, the hormones play a big part in that desire or that need to eat. So back mm. to going you know, to breakfast or just restricting carbohydrates altogether, what that does is, well, let's back up. So... I want to make this really digestible. So we're just coming off of, uh, uh, say, eight hours, seven to eight hours, or six to eight hours sleep, right? Right. Um, we haven't eaten anything in that, that six to eight hour window. So whatever we consumed for dinner, um, that is the last, you know, that's the last time we've eaten. Most of the time, I like to, you know, like I was saying, Mike and I, uh, we restrict our carbohydrates till dinner. So it, it helps with sleep and stuff like that. But with that said, your body is, is metabolized. It's gone through, you know, it's digested the food. So your, you know, going back to the first episode, I was talking about longevity biomarkers um, that physicians use in the longevity space are fasting insulin and fasting blood sugar. So upon wakening, um, you want to have, low fasting insulin and low fasting blood sugar. So Mm -hmm. if, you know, whether you have average, maybe you have a little bit higher fasting insulin, fasting blood sugar, or even you're dialed in because uh, like Mike and I, we've been doing it for quite some time. We've developed metabolic flexibility. So if, you know, for example, if I eat like even 200 grams of carbohydrates at six o'clock for dinner, when I wake up at five in the morning, I'm at a at a really good baseline, almost to the point where I'm back in a uh, in ketosis, like a ketotic state, which we're going to get to in a little bit. Um, oh. So, meaning my fasting insulin and fasting blood sugar is extremely low, even though I ingested a whole lot of carbohydrates before I went to bed. Yeah, and I think it's important that I I, I add right there because that was a good point you made is um, when. I uh, I was listening to the Huberman podcast, and he was talking about uh, the subject of fasting yeah. as well, and he, and he did a, did a nice job on it. And I and I was thinking that what one of the things he emphasizes is even if we if we eat at six o'clock, let's say we put our our plate our last bite at six o'clock, your body's not yet in a fasted state. I think it's still digesting food for like four hours, 
And then yeah. it gets into the really good fasted state. So you're saying then when you wake up, you don't want to start pounding sugar because you're still in a in the the prime of a good fasted state. And you, I guess we could talk about that a little bit. What 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 that is, but right because the way the way I like to look at carbohydrates is you know obviously we need a certain amount of glucose for brain function. We know mm-hmm. that we need a certain amount of glucose stored muscle and. and in muscle glycogen or for our muscles for energy. Uh, we need glycogen or glucose stored in our liver as kind of a backup reserve system. If we were, you know, say fasting for a week, week long or something like that. And the brain always has a reserve. So we, we need carbohydrates for sure. This that's, that, that's mm-hmm. what I dislike so much about the keto crowd. Cause there's, you know, there's so many people in the keto crowd that demonize carbohydrates and for the sake of conversation, it, you know, we are talking like carbohydrates are, you know, the bad, it, they're really bad. It's, it's not that they're bad, it's they cannot be consumed chronically. We don't want right. to eat too much of them, and, but, and we, wanna, we want to be very strategic and use them what they're intended for. And that's for uh, adequate glycogen stores, like I was saying, in the muscle for energy, make sure that, you know liver function and brain function. But if we exceed that and we're consuming too much of them, as we talked about in the last podcast, there now we have this increased blood sugar level and guess what? It, it gets converted to fat and then we start gaining weight and all the metabolic disorders come down the line. Um, even some of the, the neurological or cognitive uh, issues. So, it's not that carbohydrates are bad. It's that we need to understand their role. And once we understand their role, then we can more adequately use them or or utilize them, I should say. Um, so, uh, with uh, where I'm trying to remember where where uh, where I picked up or where I was at. And, and let me ask you a question about that real quick. Yeah. Um, so, again, I always refer to my my. <laughs> I think of a restricted feeding window. I always feel like a zoo animal when I hear that. But what I'm thinking is that, uh, okay, so my last meal was five or six o'clock and I had some carbs. And then the next morning I wake up, I go on a run. So I've topped off my fuel stores for, for glycogen or sugar. I've topped those stores off. So when I'm on that run the next morning at eight, nine o'clock and I'm not, I haven't consumed any food since yesterday at five or six o'clock. Is that part of what I'm burning, or is or I am am I burning just fat? I'm just curious. Like, yeah, you, no, you picked up right. Where, that, that's what I was trying to remember. What we were talking about. We were we were talking about uh, coming off of sleep. So basically, six to eight hour sleeping window. We wake up, depending on how metabolically efficient we are and flexible. You know, hopefully, when we're dialed in, we have low fasting blood sugar, low fasting insulin. That's where, you, let's use you as an example. This is a good, kind of good example. Uh, you're metabolically efficient. So you even if you consume carbohydrates in the evening, what you do most of the time, post-exercise, when you're insulin sensitive, so now you've topped off glycogen stores all around, so you're fueled back up, right? Uh, you wake up after six to eight hours of sleep, you brew your morning cup of coffee, you put some good 
you know, grass-fed butter in there, some good saturated fat, um, and maybe some MCT oil. You blend that up, and there's no carbohydrates. So at this point, you are, even though you're consuming coffee, you're consuming um, some saturated fat, you're not signaling insulin, and you're not spiking your blood sugar whatsoever. And gotcha. And what that's doing now is... And this is a really effective like biohack or a way to make fasting a lot easier instead of just doing it, you know, straight up like all together, like not eating anything. Cold so basically what you're doing now is, yeah, totally. yeah, you're topped off because you've, you haven't done any physical exercise through that eight hours of sleep and, you know, all your fuel stores are topped off. So now brew your morning cup of coffee, some good saturated fat that's essential for brain health and cognitive function, along with a little bit of caffeine's a nice boost, increases your fat burning capabilities because you don't have your 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 fasting blood sugar is really low, right? So now if you're carbohydrate restricting or you're restricting any any uh um well, any carbs in the morning, your 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 cellular metabolism is is going to burn fat because that's the fuel that's available because you have low fasting blood sugar, and so that's now you're going to go out on your run. You're already in a fat burning state, meaning like if gotcha. we were to okay. you know measure your cellular metabolism uh, um, and looking at okay, is Mike is Mike preferentially burning fatty acids is he burning more you know uh, glycogen like what's it's going to show that you're burning fatty acids or um even beyond that probably after your run or depending on how metabolically mm. fit you are that's the next stage is ketosis that's the you know when you we talked about that last uh or not ketosis but we talked about the sort of the fuel substrate. So we have, you know, glycogen, blood, blood sugars up. That's always preferential cell will burn that first when that sort of is, is, you know, getting low starts burning fatty acids, which is another form of fuel. When fatty acids get low in the bloodstream, which now we're talking if in Mike's case, you're really metabolically fit. So you've, you've slept eight hours, you've ingested only saturated fat or, you know, right. uh, a little bit of protein, maybe. So you haven't signaled blood sugar, insulin, and you went out on your run. So now you're at a point where you're burning your available fuel uh, that's in your bloodstream circulating, which is fatty acids. Uh, but now you start getting a little, you know, a little low. And yeah. that's where the beautiful part starts to happen, where it's, uh, the body's like, okay, we're getting low on fuel. So. Uh, there's no glycogen or blood sugar, you know, blood sugar's low. Let's go ahead and tap the fat stores in our body uh, because the average person that's fit has about 30,000 calories of stored fat. That's why we have fat stored on us for for this exact reason. When food's not available, we have the ability to convert fat into fuel. Um, so now you're talking about getting into a state of ketosis and nutritional ketosis which for a metabolically fit individual typically is in that like 12 to 16 hour window of carbohydrate restriction hmm. which is uh that's not that long um if you're if you're looking at it from coming off of six to eight hours of sleeping right 
So, right. and that's not even through not eating. That's not even, that's not calorie restriction. That's not, that you're still consuming food. You're just being very strategic on what macros you're, you're consuming. Mm, right. Restricting carbs in particular. And I think that's what's interesting is, you know, we talk about fasting, intermittent fasting, and I think you hear the word fasting and you think somehow you're going to starve. That's just <laughs> the first signal that goes off. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to eat what I want to. But that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I have a 10, 10 a.m. to 6 a.m. window for me. So I won't eat anything before 10 and I won't eat anything after 6 o'clock is what I've been yep. working on. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's pretty doable. If they really looked at their schedule, yep. it's like, well, geez, I can still eat dinner with friends or family. 6 o'clock, I'm done. 10 o'clock, okay, it's a late breakfast or it's an early lunch. You know, it's pretty doable. It's not that, you know what it, I mean? Isn't Oh, no, it absolutely is. And I'm about the same as you. I, I think my I'm like the 12 to 6 kind of feeding window. But with that said, that's not... Um, and shout out to Huberman. Uh, I think he touched on this. but And I have a very similar approach uh, where it's uh, kind of intermittent protein throughout the day. Um, whether that's through whey protein or essential aminos. But I'm not a snacker. Like uh, essential aminos and whey protein... Um, and then it's most of my calories are consumed either like in that late lunch or that early dinner. Um, so it's almost like one meal with uh, some 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 protein throughout the day. And obviously, I'm drinking my as I mentioned that the the fatty coffee, mm, the butter right. coffee from the time I wake up, and I typically am you know till eleven o'clock. So, and all while that's happening, as I'm ingesting the coffee, coffee, it's also increasing. It's, you know, I don't want to get into it too much now because we'll talk about it when it, when the food and, and nutrition episode. But when you utilize something like bulletproof coffee or fatty coffee, that's a way to increase uh, fat burning or or deepen or or quicken your state of uh, ketosis get into a, a deeper state of ketosis much quicker so well typically it takes can, about yeah yeah no i think that confuses people and it definitely confused me when i heard it because you're you know we're, we're saying we're consuming fat and we're we're going to consume fat but we're going to actually get into a more fat burning state and people would say that doesn't make sense because like people would think naturally oh if i ate fat i'm going to get more fat and it's like it doesn't work like that yeah well think of it like this it going back to because i always love using analogies or illustrations to kind of make a point but the car example like if you had an engine in a car that had the ability to uh utilize unleaded gas or regular gas and diesel um it basically has two two fuels like it had the ability to burn two types of fuel that's the same as our cell but if we're not sort of like exercising both of those or using both of those fuel substrates, maybe if we change it quick, it's might like, whoa, 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 you know, it, it's a hard transition. And maybe that's not the greatest analogy from the, the engine standpoint. But basically, it's if we're only exercising one type of fuel substrate constantly and we're never mm. forcing ourselves to get into a fat burning state, because that's that's the thing. Like we you have to understand that. Unless we're carbohydrate restricting, we never get to the point where we're forcing our cell 
cellular metabolism to burn fat. So like our body to burn fat for energy. Because most people, like just think about this. I'm not talking about a, a horrible diet. I'm not talking about like an unhealthy diet. I'm just talking about right. uh, a, a standard diet. Like most people consume carbohydrates every single meal. So right. like, let's just say, you know, three meals a day and breakfast, that might be a bowl of oatmeal or some toast with their eggs. Lunch is going to be a uh, tortilla, a wrap or, you know, sandwich, um, sandwich for bread. some type sure. of bread. And then for the evening, they're like, oh, you know, like we're going to have pasta or pizza or rice. That's where and the French fries that- come in at night. French fries come out at <laughs> night, man. Yeah. And it's. <laughs> And it's not that any of those foods are bad, but when you look at it from a signaling standpoint, going back to insulin and blood sugar, what's happening? Okay, you are you, you your last meal of the day, dinner. You you eat a big old bowl of pasta. Then you sleep, you know, six hours. You get up, and the first thing you eat because you're you know hungry because you're carbohydrate dependent blood sugar gets drops to a certain level so by the time you wake up it's like oh i need to eat i'm hungry so now you have a bagel or a piece of toast and it, it doesn't even have to be that much you're constantly in an uh in an elevated state uh wow. blood sugar is constantly elevated throughout the day which means insulin is elevated gotcha. and when that happens it just gets to the point where the cell has a hard time kind of flipping the switch. If you were, that's what they call it. The keto flu. I, I remember in the early years, people be like, Oh, I feel like crap the first week or, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like I have the flu. And, and literally that is the body having a really hard time switching its fuel source because, uh, someone's never exercised that, you know, they've never restricted carbs, drop blood sugar that low, so then they get all dizzy, they get hangry, they, they're like, oh, you know, that's just all the things we know, that, that hangry feeling. I and remember you can I had optimize to get, that, you can get I rid had of to it. Get th- yeah. yeah, and I had to get through that. I remember that time, and I remember leaning on, on salt, salt and minerals to help. Uh, I remember you leaning on that for some reason to help get through that. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, minerals are a big... Uh, uh, are very, very, very important, especially when we're talking about getting into a fasted state or a ketotic state. Um, because so, but oh, I was just going to say on, on those runs, like when you said when I when I went through my normal night and then I did go on that run, some of those mornings I wouldn't have anything, any coffee or anything. I would just have uh, electrolytes that have no sugar in them, and then salt in there and that's what i would take on my run with me and that was it and so i could still remain in that fasted state but i know i don't get dehydrated so you know isn't it empowering it's like it's so nice to know that you never uh, traveling is a great example like i i love when i travel and you just don't know when your next meal is going to be if you're going to be able to eat but having metabolic flexibility and knowing that like uh, you know, going 24 hours with no food is no problem. And that doesn't mean that it's like, you don't, you wouldn't like to have some food, but if you, if you can't get a meal in, you don't have this sort of like right. hangry almost, feeling. Almost You're just attack. like, no, no, no. It, I mean, you can have the, like almost like a panicked feeling. It's, it's, I know, I know it's, it's pretty, yeah, you're right. 
Oh yeah, when you're yeah, the hypoglycemic and people they just yeah, it's it's hard. But I, I would say that it's quite the opposite when you get your metabolic you know, you're metabolically flexible. Right. Your cognition, like your mental sort of uh sharpness goes up. I was going to say it goes up. Fat. <laughs> I know, it goes yeah. up for us. That's true. Yeah. So that's always like a a really positive like sort of uh, motivator for me, even when I get to the point where maybe I don't have a a, a planned fast where I'm gonna <laughs> like, all right, I'm gonna do 24 hour fast today. Where it just I get busy with work and I'm like, oh crap, it's two three o'clock and I haven't had a thing to eat, but I feel so mentally sharp. And I'm like, ah, might as well just carry it on, you know, not eat today and I'll break my fast tomorrow morning. So it's that's super empowering to to get to that point. Um, where you don't have to worry. It, it it changes your relationship with food. I mean, it really does. I mean, if you, you know, that, yeah. at the bottom, the end of the day, it's changing your relationship with food. And, and, uh, I think that was important for me to, to learn and just, and again, I think it, you think of fasting, but I think if you look at the actual windows, then what we're talking about, it's not that big of a stretch. Yeah. And let's, um, you know, let's talk about the uh, another approach because I've had clients mm. that I've worked with, yeah. uh, women in particular that don't do good with carbohydrate restriction in the morning. Sure, um, women have different. You know, they have uh, different cycles, different hormones, all that totally. type of stuff. So, uh, I've had uh, actually a lot of women come to me and be like, "Corey, I just can't do this." The you know the the carbohydrate restriction or or. If, uh, basically like restricting breakfast so you can just do the opposite and and load up front you can carb load in the morning um I, it doesn't work good for me and i think everybody you know you ha- that's the thing you gotta once you understand that's why we're breaking it down where you guys understand the role of you know blood sugar and insulin and when we fast because it's more of the mechanics than us trying to just give you a, a diet because there's not one diet that's just going to work for everybody. Totally. Um, but once you, if you understand the, the basics or the mechanics, you can start kind of experimenting with different approaches that are going to fit your lifestyle. Cause I know for sure we have listeners on here that are shift workers, whether they're nurse nurses, physicians, mm. uh, night shift workers, like, you know, that's going to take a completely different approach. And, yeah, absolutely. you know, that, that, so, uh, but just understanding the how important it is to to really uh, um, develop insulin sensitivity, and we do that by carbohydrate restriction or fasting, um, and that's it. That's like the that's that's sort of the the basic on ramp to to starting uh, to get it under control. I. I understand that uh, from what I was listening to on um, one of the podcasts is that from Andrew Huberman was that the when you are sleeping during the fast, there's something called autophagy or I've heard it said autophagy. autophagy. I've heard it said both yep. ways, but uh, there's some kind of cleaning out of the cells or could you tell? I mean, there, I guess apparently this six to eight hour sleep that you get is special when you're on a fast. When you're in a true fasted state. Yeah, so the if you're and and I'm totally like pulling this stuff uh off of memory, but I, I think that 
the the research suggests that if and this is if you're metabolically fit and metabolically flexible um that the the sort of anything beyond like 16 hours is when you really get into that you know uh deep state of ketosis and where you get into uh something called like the body it's called cellular autophagy and basically the way I understand it is it's the body's cleanup system. Mm -hmm. And when we restrict calories and we go into a fasted state, it's kind of like you think of the the stomach and the whole digestive system and digestive tract, if it's constantly working and we were just talking about, you know, the standard sort of three meals a day, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of use and it's your stomach and your digestive system is always working. So when we restrict altogether, and this is calorie restriction altogether, we're talking, you know, not just carb restriction. Sure. There's a, we get into a metabolic state called cellular autophagy and it's, and it's, it's anti-cancer. So it's, um, there's so many like metabolic, uh, benefits from that. Um, but it's, uh, even it, it, it starts to eat up, you know, potential cancer cells um, at a cellular level. Like it's just basically it cleans up house, but yeah, you're never going to get to it. a right. You're never going to get to a state of cellular autophagy if you're you're never fasting or you're never restricting calories for a prolonged period of time. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because you know cellular autophagy is is the opposite of like insulin growth factor or mTOR they call it. So mTOR is the state in which we like bodybuilders know it. Um, they they want to be in an insulin growth state. They want to be in that like triggering that mTOR, which is it's and we and we want to be we want to be in that state after say a workout. That's why it's important to eat consume carbohydrates post exercise when we depleted muscle glycogen because we need glycogen in order to build more muscle. We need that insulin growth factor. Um, so it's, uh, the, but the opposite of that is, is when we uh, restrict altogether, the cell switches into a state of autophagy and it's like, okay, now it's, it's time to, you know, go clean up shop and, uh, and make some really cool metabolic things happen. So you kind of play this dance and it goes back to, I can't remember what episode we really dug into it, but every single thing in health and performance comes back to balance. Like you can't, you Hmm. can't do one thing too much right? because you you start to create the, right. It's, I don't remember when we were talking about it. Maybe it was off, off air. You and I were talking about the, just it's everything comes back to balance. So if we look at, it's like, if we look at the, the, the keto diet, if it's done wrong and, and you restrict, carbs altogether and i might add you know like the keto a a lot of the keto diet recommends like anywhere from at the low end 25 grams of carbs a day up to you know you know pushing 50 to 100 that's like a really really low amount and a lot of those recommendations came off of the original clinical data when the keto diet was being uh, used for uh, children with seizures, so it wasn't. It was a clin- It was clinical use. It wasn't, uh, you know, a, a active like really active 
individual that's fit and doesn't have all these pre-existing health conditions where they're managing a so you know i and i so i'll be completely honest i when i first started experimenting with keto um way back when in like 2011 yeah yeah and i ran into that because i was competing in crossfit at the time and i was so i think i first sort of was introduced to you know, that metabolic state or the idea of it through Dave Asprey uh, early on with his podcast and, you know, listening to researchers. But I was really interested on the cognition side, the the yeah, mental me state, too. because when I, you know what I mean? Like once I started yep. restricting carbs and doing the fatty coffee and I was like, oh my gosh, like my brain just turned on. And I felt amazing. My energy was even through the whole day. I, you know, I like, I'd look at the clock and it'd be four o'clock. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I never had this, you know, where I wanted to go take a nap. So I was hooked right away. I knew something really positive was happening. But uh, also on the flip side, I was an athlete and I was competing in CrossFit. So I was, you know, doing these really intense workouts. And guess what? I was, I didn't understand all of these you know, mechanisms at the time, but I was depleting my, you know, glycogen stores really just like, it's hard to, especially at that level, like keto or being in a state of nutritional ketosis, absolutely good for an endurance athlete that they can dial that in. But for anaerobic work as a CrossFitter, like, uh, Carbo, I, I don't care who you are. Like I, you can argue all day long, but from a performance standpoint, you absolutely need carbohydrates to stay, you know, at your most optimal state. And yeah. in that respect, but with that said, I felt the cognitive benefits, the ener- the even energy. But as I was, yeah. you know, going hard in my sports, I started to, you know, develop things that, you know, stomach issues where it was like. When I did eat carbs, when I finally, basically my, my, my brain's like, Hey, you need to eat. And then you just completely consume and go overboard. Uh, it was like, it it really hurt my stomach. I started having like stomach cramps and, and not the stomach issues that I suffered with before where I was really trying to, you know, I got into nutrition. It was a different type. Well, Mm. you know, come to find out, guess what? When you restrict carbohydrates, especially fermentable fibers, um, that changes the gut flora. So the microbiota in your gut, these little bugs that are responsible for metabolizing and breaking down nutrients and transporting them. And they need food too. So when we ingest uh, fiber in particular, uh, the, those little those little bugs, you know, the microbiota eat that. And that's how they you, you keep this real diverse uh, microbiome. And so basically, you have there's this this microbiota that's responsible for digesting carbohydrates. So if you restrict carbohydrates chronically for weeks at a time, those little little guys die off or um, changes the ratios. So now when you eat food that you've eaten your whole life, suddenly you're having issues. So, yeah, so they, you know they you get can, angry you and start they start to, to rebel. <laughs> you're yeah, like, ah, dude, I don't you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know it's this is totally n equals one, but um, a decade of kind of like experimenting and dilating, dialing it in. And I would, you know, I would say straight up 
I think keto, the keto diet is, is amazing. It's amazing if it's done right. And it, but you have to think of it as a tool, not a diet. That's what I've come to understand. Um, but the reason it's the best approach from a dietary standpoint, and it's, and it's, it's comes back to exactly what we're talking about in these last two episodes. It's developing metabolic flexibility and, the term keto is ketosis, which is a metabolic state, nutritional ketosis. So it's basically saying like you're you're consuming or eating a diet that's going to help you get into a, a metabolic state of nutritional ketosis. Now, we don't want to stay in that state chronically because we know if we do anything too much, whether it's exercise or we stay in the sauna too long... <laughs> My, uh, <laughs> that the it, the body starts to get out of balance. Um, so yep. it, it, that's you know it, it's all it's all it comes down to is you need to to exercise both of those pathways. Yeah, no, that's just uh, it's just learning, man. It's just learning these 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 things are just tools. I mean. And I, we've talked about that, about obsessing. I've obsessed, you know, I tend to obsess over something when I first learn about it, I guess, like overboard about it. And then I realize, yeah. oh, you know what? It's just a tool. It's just part of the bigger picture of things that you're working on to improve your overall long- longevity. And I think, I guess you could maybe speak to the intermittent fasting uh, about yeah. how it helps yeah. with longevity and what it, what, it, what it really does over time. I mean, obviously the autophagy part when you're sleeping if it's regenerating and cleaning out your system that's obviously a yeah good and you're and i might add with the autophagy you're never going to get to the point of even getting close to having cellular autophagy in a six to eight hour window if mm. you're not intermittent fasting or fasting or you know being in a real fat burning state throughout the day like you have to get to the point where you're metabolically flexible um and preferentially or burning fat uh, most and you're really day. resting well, your body. What you're really saying is you're resting the body, so it has that. I mean, you know what I mean. When you're in that other state, you're giving your body a rest, and that I think I yeah, can, I see the value in that. Yeah, totally. There's a balance. So yeah, just basically because um, there's so many. Well, one thing I want to add is uh, as we're talking about this, I I just realized that you know this is we're talking about like high performance stuff. This is like longevity, this is coming from the high performance longevity space. You know, this is not definitely like sports performance, but definitely more a lot of the stuff that we're reading, we're researching, we're, we're pulling from, or, you know, this is clinical, clinical stuff, you know, whether it's we're following researchers or looking at the the leaders in the space. So this is not necessarily a conversation that you're going to have with your general doc which is unfortunate because this should be standard protocol for know, right? um, like any pre-diabetic. You know, if, if, if you go in and a doc sees like, all right, numbers, got your blood work back. You know, you're looking like you're uh, insulin resistant on your way to being, you know, type one, type two, whatever. Uh, like that should be the first, you know, first prescription right there is like okay look conversation gonna, yeah 
yeah, I'm going to go talk to a nutritionist, a dietitian. We're going to talk about the role of, of insulin, blood sugar, how we, everything we just talked about. That's the way it should be, but that's not the case. Um, would there so be a, would their I, approach be to probably give you some kind of prescription? I think that's to deal with it. Well, I yeah, here, li- check this out. I was listening to STEM Talk, my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts, um, yeah. all on human performance, uh, it, it, STEM, you know, science, technology, uh, human performance, human sure. resilience. Like, it's, it's the best. But... Uh, Ken Ford was talking about how he was out at a dinner party and he was with a couple that were, uh, were physicians and they were talking about if, if they were, and, and I might add Ken is a big component of nutritional ketosis and, and, you know, metabolic flexibility and all this stuff. And he said that, you know, <clears throat> one of them made a comment, if I was ever to become pre-diabetic that I would utilize the keto diet. So he, you know, obviously got excited and, and was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, what do you, and he asked, do you prescribe that to your patients? And he said, no, I don't. And Ken's, well, why don't you do that? And he said, well, it'd be too hard to manage. He's basically mm-hmm. saying that insulin, like man, using insulin and in pharmaceuticals is the easier way to manage their, their disease versus trying to do lifestyle management which is a you know it's a fair point from like uh, to a certain extent it sucks because it's true yeah, but, but give us the option <laughs> you know, yeah exactly what do you you know yeah wow there's that's what he was saying that there was like no system in place because yeah. then it would be well now you can't just prescribe you know medicine or, or insulin you have to like they have to go to a dietitian or a nutritionist. They have to learn what foods to eat, when to eat them, everything we're talking about right now. But guess what, you guys? Like, this is the thing. If you learn this stuff now, which is not that, it's not that hard, um, and you get that un- under control, you're never going to have that conversation with your doctor. You know, you, because, won't, you won't. Yeah. But because what that doctor is saying is basically it's like, People don't want to learn all this stuff, so we're just going to find a way around it to manage it so they don't have to think about it much. And I, I could I could point to the vaccine for that, too, that's being currently distributed. That's all I'll say. But, like, it's personal responsibility at the end of the day. We, we've got to just take that little bit of extra time to exactly. learn about it. I mean, that's all it is. And that's where we yeah, fit in. I'm, Us, Shift Adapt, the Uberman podcast, the yeah. guys you listen to, we're the ones trying to stand in that gap of just saying, hey, man, there's there's ways to manage this stuff. Right. And and we, you know, Mountain Wellness, Mountain Wellness podcast, like, it's our job. That's why I started Mountain Wellness was I'm really fascinated in it and passionate about biohacking, human performance, and I've spent spent a lot of time and I've dedicated a lot of time to the space and learning it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was always about taking that information, health and performance, longevity, and bringing it to the mountain athlete and the outdoor adventure. Because that's like, that's who we are. That's, you know, um, I've been to biohacking conferences and it's, it's cool. But like, if I were, you know, being in vendor uh, villa or what was it called? A gear town and GoPro mountain games. Like I was like, yeah, like these are my people. So if Mike and I can comb through a lot of the stuff in the health and performance space, 
the longevity stuff and you know we can like our job is to bring bring that stuff and and simplify it and, and bring it to you and that's what i've learned in the last 10 years like what i'm sharing on the nutrition side is literally what i've been able to do in the last 10 years um dialing my own uh you know just diet nutrition and physical uh my physical self and and all that so well and i and i think i think for a mountain athlete this becomes even more critical because i consider the mountains as much as i love them with all my heart a hostile environment because we're out there in the oh, weather. So I we're know, so unforgiving. Elevation, we're out there in all these different elements. And so it's just traditionally, well, probably as we evolved, it wasn't harder on the body. But now that we've got in our modern, uh, in our modern industrialized nation, now the mountains are more, seem more unforgiving just because of probably our state. But that's why all these things become even more important for training because it's, you know, where you are going into a more hostile environment. So to, to, to understand all these things is just going to make you way better and more efficient. Oh, it's so true. It's, it's really, it's building that resilience, the physical yeah. resilience, the emotional resilience, um, in, in hostile these environments. Are all, totally. These are all are tools and tactics and ways that we can do it. And, um, and the you know the beautiful part is too it's like you're always it, it's kind of like my mindset i'm always always be ready and i i sort of take that you know special operations approach to my training where it's like just kind of be ready for the unknown uh, right and 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 these are all you know these are ways of doing it and and i think a lot of times we think of like physical the physical side of it but guess what like getting your nutrition dialed in like getting yourself metabolically flexible and so starting to implement what we're talking about like foundational guess yeah it's found it's foundation like i i was talking about this with mel our you know uh our yoga instructor yesterday that if you were to uh if you would have asked me like i don't know two maybe three years ago sort of like the order of um, the order or I guess what I would consider number one, two, three, et cetera, as far as like getting to an optimal state of, you know, performance or health. And it, it, it definitely would have been physical back, you know, two, three, four years ago, but it's interesting because it's shifted. Now it's like breath and, and nutrition or like, metabolism as as come sort of yeah. like to my one and two and, and foundation and that's what i was going to say is it's interesting because what you'll find is if you guys start dialing and your nutrition and developing insulin sensitivity keeping blood sugar to a minimum throughout the day you, your energy levels start to go up your mood starts to enhance you start to um it, and i'm it's not just about how you perform physically, say in the mountains or in your individual sport, but guess what? When you show up to work, now you're performing better at work because you're in a better mood and you have even energy levels. And now you're bringing your best self everywhere you go. Um, and going back to what I said, just being prepared for the unknown. Cause I love when, you know, it's a good feeling knowing if, if Mike calls me up and says, Hey dude, uh, we have an opportunity to go on this backpacking trip uh, next month, 
Uh, are <laughs> you the, down? That's the ready state. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. That's like that. If you're not, you know, if you don't have these things dialed in, those opportunities might pass you by. And uh, so being you know ready that's for a anything. Really good point. That's a good point because. You know, now that I'm now that I just for whatever reason started training year round for the mountains, that's a good point for folks because I we've always talked about you need something out there that's difficult that you're going to have to do in two or three months from now that you know is going to yeah. challenge you, and and so usually you'll start to you just start to rise to the occasion to be ready for that. But also, if we just think of it as look, we all love the mountains. So we'll train year round for the mountains. Now maybe you only have a window of when you're going to go into the mountains in the, near the summertime because of the. But I'm want to go. I actually want to go this winter into the mountains. But you're now we're now training year round to prepare for that opportunity to go in the mountains. And just look at it like that. It's yeah. like my next mountain trip. I'm going to feel amazing. I'm going to perform amazing, and I'm going to be even more available and of service to other people around me that may not be quite there. I'll be help. I'll even be able to help those guys. Yeah, you have a better experience all around. Like totally. it just you enjoy it. You can be to service to others, and I mean you you experienced that on the Mount Whitney trip, and uh, I think that was a a really good example of. It makes me want to really go again. Enjoyed it. <laughs> I yeah, I can't believe it. I'd say that. I swore I'd never go again when I was coming down that trail at night. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. But I'm like, you know what? I loved it. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, how do? So I'm gonna apply for permits again because I may do the two I know, day. I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in the one day, but I'll do the two day. I'm ready for something hard. I know for me sure. Too. I, was, I, think, I, was, I, I was. I'm thinking, thinking about a about winter that. trip. Yeah, totally. I, I'd be down for something. So okay, well let's uh, let's recap um, before we get too too off into the weeds. But so we talked about. Because what I what I kind of want to wrap up on is giving an example of how this like mm-hmm. how developing metabolic flexibility is can be so optimal in the mountains in particular in in our individual sport in our pursuit. So going about day to day, we start implementing being mindful of you know like I said, controlling blood sugar, keeping insulin to a minimum, restricting carbohydrates hopefully to one one time a day post-exercise. As we start to do that over time, it, it becomes easier and easier for that the metabolism to switch over between those two fuel substrates. So we, we've got that now. What the, the awesome part about developing metabolic flexibility over the weeks and months that you start to change your approach to eating that's going to shift hormones. It's going to shift your lean body mass. It's going to optimize your cellular metabolism because you're going to be bouncing from, you know, that sort of like insulin growth state post exercise to that cellular autophagy ketotic state. Um, and now, when we go on an adventure or we go on, we're, we're getting ready for an endurance race, fifty mile or hundred plus miler. Now we're so metabolically efficient that basically at that point we can, we're like, you can burn whatever fuel you put in. Now we got to be, you know, obviously each individual, uh, um, I guess, uh, uh, um, race or adventure is going to be a little bit different. 
Um, Mike, we talked about that with Brian Elliott, which was really interesting. He was talking about the amino acids, like the role of protein um, mm. and how he doesn't, uh, he doesn't eat protein 24 hours before the race. And, uh, and, and basically it was talking, he was talking about like the, basically the metabolism, like that takes a lot of energy to metabolize. So he does like a big carb load before, which is interesting because going back to like, you know, the, the conversation, especially in the sports performance space or the sports, like in sports, it's always like, are you a carb athlete or are you a fat, fat athlete? And it's like, I used to be like, oh, I'm fat. Like, I'm definitely like keto, fat burner. But now it's more like I'm I'm metabolically flexible. I'm metabolically fit. So depending on what I – it doesn't matter what I eat. Um, I know that I can very effectively switch those – you know, that switch between those different fuel substrates. And now, you know, I, I can just – you don't have to worry about that, whether it's out on a backpack trip, whether it's an endurance race, it's like, yeah, you're not going to um, have these severe swings in either direction. You're not going to have these exactly. Yeah. You're not going to have these severe blood sugar swings and you're insulin sensitive. So if you do slam down some, you know, goo pack or, or really, you know, simple sugar, which, you know, I, I experienced that. That's how I learned about this was elevation. Elevation was a good teacher of that. And then when we were talking about to, <laughs> yeah, with totally. Brian Ellie about about Mino, uh, you know, his approach to his long 50, 100 mile races, and he says he doesn't eat protein 24 hours before. And then, you know, as he started saying, I was like, you know what? You're right. I remember uh, going on, you know, on that backpacking trip and the amount of protein that I ate in the morning before we left out on the, the trail. Um, but then even out on the trail, the first snack break we took, like I wasn't going for the, any sort of protein. Like I just wanted the simple sugars, mm-hmm. the, the famous animal crackers I brought. Remember everybody yeah, was like, that. give me those. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> so it made a lot, it was one of those sort of light bulb moments that went off. Like, yeah, that, that makes sense because I'm very metabolically fit so simple sugars easy to digest very you know go into the bloodstream real quick utilized versus uh, uh a piece of meat that's gonna be and it's gonna take a long time to to process and break down and metabolize Hard to digest up there in the elevation you know for sure yeah exactly you're already in a so anyways i thought that was interesting but that's that's how it is going back to just gotta start experimenting but understanding the mechanics the basic mechanics of you know you can start playing with different approaches. Yeah, the uh, the the feeding windows that I remember Andrew Huberman liked and recommended was was from like ten to six or twelve to six. You know, he said you could do the later ones up to eight o'clock. You know, uh, what would that be from twelve to eight yeah. o'clock? From noon to eight o'clock, and your last meal bite of food was at eight o'clock. But then you. Your body's not in the ideal fasted state for about four hours after that. So that would be like midnight, one in the morning. So he liked cutting off around six, you know. So then when yeah, you went to bed I, at 10, my, then you would start, you'd be already heading into that ideal fasted state. Yep. Well, my rule always is um, try to eat dinner before the sun goes down. So awesome. um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, Light plays a huge role. Hey, on... we didn't talk about light. We <laughs> talked about that too. The biology of light and food are 
we got to talk yeah. about that one. Yeah. We'll get yeah, into that. Yeah, totally. Well, That's maybe awesome, we'll dude. do after the nutrition food, our next episode, we'll have to do sort of like a, a biohacking sort of approach to these things and different things you can. Yeah, it's fascinating, you know, different man. Different hacks. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I mean, that's like to simplify it because it can get really confusing. I know like when you hear like, oh, you know, feeding window from 10 to 6 or 12 to 8 and all of a sudden your brain starts going, wait, 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 what did he? Look, it, all it comes down to is try to eat dinner before the sun goes down. Try to restrict your first meal of the day as long as you possibly can when you're first starting out. That's um, awesome. And you you can consume coffee, but if you're if you're doing any type of of coffee or tea, just make sure you're not putting sugar in it. Uh, but that's it. Just make sure you eat your dinner before the sun goes down, and try to restrict your first meal as long as possible, or hold your first meal. Now, I might add, this is where a lot of people go wrong with the the time restricted feeding windows mm. or intermittent fasting is they don't consume enough calories in their restricted feeding window. So the, sh- the shorter you make that feeding window, um, it's obviously going to be harder to consume, you know, say 2,000, 2,500, uh, uh, thou- or 25, that'd be a lot. 2,500 <laughs> yeah, 2, <laughs> calories. And, you know, say if you're only eating from like, two o'clock to five o'clock right. that's a lot of calories to consume in that time Dang. so just be be mindful of that that's why what, what mike was saying or you know even i do it's the the 10 to what'd you say 10 to 6 yeah is, is typically your window yeah that's eight hour that's window. great um and, and you know there you can eat two thousand calories in that window that's that's right. not hard to do um so i think that's a great great approach 10 10 to 6 now if you can hold that first meal till noon even better because you're really gonna you know but just think of really charting starting to to shorten that feeding window and stay within that feeding window and stay away from snacking too we didn't talk about that that's mm. um okay i wondered it's about really that. hard okay. yeah that that's a really hard one you want to eat probably, meals and then and then not snack all through that eight hours <laughs> is that what you're saying yeah well, just in general, like, okay, so let's just say outside of the feeding window. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, snacking sure. is snacking is fine within the feeding window, just not, car, you know, watch your carbs, like gotcha. you know, doing protein-based snacks, uh, yogurts, you know, cheese. Whole food stuff uh, as much as you can, sure. Yeah, just ho- exactly, just, just exactly. Uh, whey protein, essential aminos, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I forgot where we were going with that. Snacking. You were saying snacking outside snacks. of the window. <laughs> so yeah. midnight snacks. So, you know, when you're yeah. getting those little, those hunger pains after dinner, say you ate it at 5.30, 6 o'clock, and then you don't go to bed till 10 and, you know, 9.30, your stomach is rumbling. That is where you really want to be careful with introducing those snacks, even if they're, you know, and not that much. If you can't, if if you're really having a hard time, it's always better to to go with some type of uh, protein. If you really can't handle, you know, if it's keeping you up or something like that, as you adjust to this new way of eating or this new lifestyle. Um, but just snacks in general, um, you, you will find that you're going to have those desire the yep. desire less and less as you become more fat adaptive. Uh, so awesome. 
yeah, dude, just basically cutting down, eat that dinner before sun goes down, try to hold that first meal between, you know, say 10 and 12 and uh, consume your calories within that window. And and I might add too, post-exercise carbohydrate feed. So, if I'm just laughing the, right the, now. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because my last meal yesterday was at 5.30 and I just realized it's 10.08. So my feeding window has begun. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, and I feel fine. Like I'm not, um, I'm hungry, but I'm not starving. I'm not like, I have to eat right now. Or I'm going to pass out. And I know if I was on a high carb intake all day long kind of uh, diet that I would, I would be so hangry right now. And I, I if I hadn't yeah, passed out, I'd be hangry. You'd be looking at the clock and, oh man, this is, yep. Yeah. So, so it's cool. So it's, I'll go eat and I'll, <laughs> uh, I'm going to have some eggs and, uh, an avocado. I'm and- the same way. I'm still sipping on my 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 bulletproof coffee with my grass fed butter and brain octane C8 in it. And I my last meal I consumed was at 6 p.m. yesterday. Love uh, it. And that's it. But my uh, my mental mental state is good. Yeah, I I uh, yeah I would have been on a run if we didn't podcast. I would have been on a run and be coming back off the trail right now and I, i'd probably be hungry but again it's not that it's not that like freaking out hungry which think about it if you were in the mountains and you got lost which way do you want to be oh. for if, what's going to create panic quicker being starving because you know think about your hunger pains and all of that if you were in a yep. bad situation it's like yeah no we'd be much better better situation in this kind of a lifestyle yeah and right and and not to mention all the the uh, the metabolic disorders and cognitive d- decline that comes with aging. Like we can tackle this now. So they're seeing more Sweet. fatty fatty liver disease. I'm hearing is become is on the rise. Uh, and even in non alcoholics, it used to only be in alcoholics about 30 years ago. They would never see it. The what is happening now, and maybe we can talk about that another time. But it's it's interesting. Yeah, direct impact from exactly the the chronic carbohydrate consumption everything we talked about today so wow interesting all right all right brother um yeah i think that's uh that was a good episode if you guys have any questions don't hesitate to shoot us an email at info at mountainwellness.life uh i do online coaching virtual coaching health and performance all the stuff we talked about today if you're interested in that, shoot me an email at Corey at mountainwellness.life, C-O-R-E-Y. And I would love to uh, love to work with you. So yeah. if that's something you got me dialed in, shoot me an email. <laughs> I thank you for all of that, so, man. I, I, that's uh, been an amazing, dude. It, I'm just paying it forward. I'm just paying it forward, man. I, I, and I'm passionate about it, but it's uh, cool. it changed my life, so it's the least I can do. Um, sweet. We did announcements in the beginning, so, uh, we're good there. We got an awesome guest coming on next week. We're going to talk about some performance breath work. Emily, what's Emily's last Emily name? Emily Hightower. I'm super excited about Emily that. Emily yeah. Hightower. So if you guys want to do some research, check her out before we have her on next week. And if you have any questions you want us to ask her, shoot us, uh, um, comment on Instagram or shoot us a, a DM. And we will be sure to do so. Anyways, 
Hope you guys have a awesome week. Stay, uh, just, um, you know, don't hesitate to listen to this again. Go back to the first one. Really, you know, digest this information. So that's it. Mike, you got anything? Yeah, no, I just hope to find them on the mountain. <laughs> Sweet. All right, guys, keep spreading that mountain stoke, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Peace. Later. The information provided on the Mountain Wellness Podcast is for educational purposes only and not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult a medical professional or healthcare provider if you're seeking medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 